I didn't know what a UPC code was, how to get one, all sorts of different things. That was a exponential learning curve around that time when I started getting into retail, there was a lot to be learned. Anytime you get burned, you just said, okay, I'm not gonna let that happen to me again. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes, set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Steven. And I'm looking forward to having an entrepreneur like Matt Butler from Rollers. So Matt from Rollers is actually on with us today. And the reason why is in today's day and age, where you have everybody who has this affinity towards technology or systems and management and quality control measures, I'm interested to hear <laughs> how he can produce a product that is essentially a game that brings people together how running a business like that is substantially different than everybody who wants to build technology or a mobile application and how that transition away from the military and also running a business, what that's done for him in terms of putting him outside of his comfort zone and potentially some screw-ups or mess-ups along the way that has, has led to a success. So, Matt, I appreciate you taking some time. How are you doing today? Doing great, Stephen. Really appreciate you having me on. Look forward to uh, chatting with you about uh, some of the knucklehead things that I've done. Love your podcast because specifically there are so many articles out there that we read about of all the positive things, but love to hear and share those knucklehead items and failures that we've done to make sure your audience and other people don't run into those same things again. We don't want to repeat them. Well, I mean, uh, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's the genesis of this show. When you make a short-term decision that has long-term ramifications, a lot of times you hear about the long-term ramifications or the success stories or all the kind of the glitz and glamour, the window dressing, or the great things that happen in people's businesses. Not, not the hard moments, not the the conversations with your spouse that you know they're about ready to leave, or or the <laughs> you know the 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 bank accounts not able to support payroll, or honestly those environments where it feels like the walls are just crashing in and you barely can keep your head above water, let alone let's go out and take new ground <laughs> while everything's crashing down around you. It's, it's kind of amazing how those stories don't get articulated very well. And so it, it takes a tremendous amount of courage from somebody like you to share those stories or share at least one or two of those learning lessons from that experience. So the fact that you have an appreciation for it leads me to believe that potentially you, you've ran into a scenario where you put yourself in a, maybe a compromised position or two. Do you have an example of one that comes to mind, maybe whenever you were in the military or as an entrepreneur that comes to mind? Oh, yeah. So I always think of, I relate my entrepreneurial and business experience that I have so far a lot back to the military because I think that they compare and relate to each other quite a bit. And so when I think of some of the failures or knucklehead decisions I've made, I look at them as like a tactical level, operational and strategic, you know, basically small to large. And as entrepreneurs, you're running across those tactical ones all the time. They're, they're small things that you, you possibly made a mistake. But with my line of work, selling rollers, which is an outdoor game, you know, there's a lot of money being moved around in inventory. And that's, that's the nature of the beast when you're into any type of selling of a product. You've got to retain inventory. Because when I think of businesses, I either think them as a service or a product. And with inventory, that's really one of those items that can really bite you in the butt pretty hard because you either have too much or you have not enough. And your body, and I think emotionally, I don't think knows the difference between 
you have too much inventory, you don't have enough. It's either collecting dust in a warehouse and you want to get it out the door to make, you know, get your money back and make money. Or, you know, I've sold out quite a few times and then I'm stressed out. Why did I not have more inventory? And so I've run into both scenarios and it's really difficult to find that real perfect balance of that. And the only way that I've learned from that is what we've done in the military is mission plan, execute, and then, you know, evaluate and, and develop lessons learned. So I'm always looking at inventory and finance on a daily and weekly and trying to find any type of projections out there. And so from one of my knucklehead things that I've done was I purchased way too much inventory at one point because I just wasn't looking at the projections right. I must have got dyslexic looking at the numbers. I don't know, but I had a lot of inventory at one point. And I just want to tell people and your listeners of it. It's so important to have some sort of methodology to the chaos when you've got, uh, there's a lot of products going out and money being exchanged and keeping track of invoices and purchase orders and whatever your solution to that madness is, because I'm sure, Stephen, your solution might be different than mine. And, and mine is actually fairly simple is I'm doing a lot of uh, pad and paper and just writing things down. That's something you just have to have put in place. I want to stop you here for just a second, only just because you've introduced about two or three different tactical scenarios where something strategically connected to a business result or deliverable is, can you sell product? Well, you can't sell product if you don't have inventory. And so it's interesting how you're talking about the, the correlation between finance and inventory and then the mission plan execute component, because you may plan for a retailer to sell through 50 units. However, who knows? They may run into a scenario where they need 100 and you just don't have the inventory to support them. So it's not as if they don't have options to go out there and buy a different product. So there's a significant risk that you take on if you don't kind of hit the nail right on the head in terms of how much inventory you need. So that's why it's, I think it's, it's important to talk about that other layer of dynamics, which is the, the importance. And I think that Stephen Covey talks a lot about that in terms of the four quadrants in terms of at what point, if you're a product business, uh, where does your inventory fall into your strategic plan? Which quadrant are we talking about here? So is that what you mean when you say right. no, exactly. methodology? Yep. And it's um, just a continual cycle of looking, of looking at that. But, you know, making those, those decisions, the knucklehead decisions can be devastating. You know, if you're, you're trying to uh, make money and you've got too much there or not a lack of, then, you know, projections are real important. So... Well, I got to ask you, with a product business like yourself, how do you view marketing? Is it more of an education of the consumer of your product or is it more of an education to the business since you have a B2B component to your distribution? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because there's really two components. So I'm always advertising awareness in general. That's my large net funnel to people is first bring awareness that the product is even available. And then also there's a secondary is educating them on what the product is to see if they're interested in, in buying it. So we do a lot of relating the game rollers to other outdoor games like bocce ball and horseshoes and bowling because people can associate those games with rollers. And then it kind of summarizes what the game is. But we are educating B2B. So we're looking at uh, retail buyers. We sell in about 600 different retailers. So getting wholesale accounts and then they will sell in their stores, for example, like Shields or Dick's Sporting Goods 
a lot of sporting goods in game stores, uh, specialty and, and bigger box. But then we're also selling direct to the consumer, so the B2C aspect. And so we do a lot of digital marketing through social media and also newsletters. If you go to rollers.com, there's a newsletter and we produce one about once a week that have different blogs and such on there. And uh, then we'll, we'll do specials and things like that that are on there. So kind of a, a two-tier, the B2B and B2C aspect to it. And so that's how we curtail our advertising to who we're trying to reach out to. Have you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason, so do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts. We're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do. We've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You want to bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life. How do I how do I do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They want to binge watch you. They want to binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So. You can get in touch with us, Stephen at Knucklehead Podcasts, or if you've got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions, LLC. Get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins and contact us today. See you. Does it follow the same kind of knucklehead format to where you started distributing some of your B2B marketing to the, the B2C market and, and it didn't really work very well? Or, or is You're, it something yeah. that you've, you've been able to iteratively get better over time? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, if you're familiar with Facebook advertising, which is also Instagram, I mean, that can just suck you dry of money. And so what I would recommend if anyone's doing that, watch some of their videos. I think for Facebook, it's called uh, Blueprint, if I, if I recall. But watch some of the information on there and read through it. I mean, some of my decisions is I've just blasted through a bunch of money, you know, thousands of dollars going through here. And then I really wasn't targeting towards my core audience either because I didn't really, I didn't set it up properly. So I, I just look at that as thousands of dollars out the door. And I don't know if I really got my ROA on that. So what did I do? I I learned from it and, you know, pivoted and now I've got things more dialed in. Well, it's, it's, I, I appreciate the, uh, the transparency there it, it, because it's, it's funny whenever I sit down to talk with somebody and they tell me how they boosted a post and I'm kind of interested in what was the decision-making that led to them parting with dollars and cents to go and boost something. Right. I'm just interested because of the, the way that it gets sold. It seems as if it would make a whole heck of a lot of sense to target folks based off of the way that you can index your audience. And I, and I just thought that that was the, the most interesting thing on the planet. But then I, then I thought, well, how do I interact with ads on those social media channels? <laughs> yeah. And it, it kind of goes back to the whole idea of, well, I mean, do you want to click on a sponsored ad or do you want to click on an ad that you're interested in? You know what I mean? So right. it's oh, yeah. it's just it becomes it becomes kind of you reverse engineer the process a little bit. Um, I just think it's it's interesting how you can kind of come to that. So at what point did you realize? Okay, 
I have two clearly distinctive personas here. I have my B2C customer and I have my B2B retail buyer that I need to kind of educate and develop relationships with. How long did it take you to develop the familiarization with your two differently, distinctly different personas there? Well, the customer took a lot longer to understand what they were interested in because my initial advertising push wasn't really as as clear as as I, I wanted to. A lot of times when I first started off, and these are funny and they're probably small tactical type stuff, but I would I would try and compare rollers as an outdoor game as a better backyard game, comparing it to other outdoor games. And then I would get a lot of pushback on advertising. Uh, people would write back that, you know, comparing and, and contrasting or saying, you know, uh, horseshoes is a better game or bocce ball or cornhole or bag toss. And so I thought, I really enjoy all outdoor games. So it's not really that rollers is better than one. It's more of complementary to it. And so just that small tweak of advertising and awareness that it's a complementary game to add to your inventory of outdoor games completely changed the ROI and, and the return and how things were looked at from uh, the consumer. There wasn't a competition. And so you just think how small that of a tweak that is, but that made such a dramatic difference. And that's just the, the B2C channel. As far as really when, when I'm reaching out to, to retailers and the B2B, completely different mindset you're getting into it. It's really, they're worried about what's your wholesale cost? What are your minimum order quantity? The ability to ship, the ability to manufacture, sell through rates. So because they're basically buying it and reselling it. And so you have to have the right product that's kind of hitting that, especially when something becomes trendier and they want to get on that trend. A lot of retailers are risk adverse as you know uh, they should be. And so as soon as you start to get in one retailer, other retail buyers are actually walking the floor of other retailers looking to see what they're putting in there and seeing, are they stocked? Are they out of it? And then that's when they start buying. So it starts to pick up quite a bit. I mean, I, I got a couple email inquiries once I got into Dick's and Shields from other sporting goods because I knew they were walking the floors and they essentially told me that. They said, we saw you in Shields. We're interested in your product. So two different mindsets for, for advertising. So that just goes back into uh, evaluating your audience and knowing who you're selling to and how to sell to them, which goes back into what you did is, is, is selling. You have to know your audience before you start engaging with them or trying to. Yeah, um, I, I, th- I think that that's it's fascinating thinking about rollers being marketed to to an audience that that likes outdoor products, that likes an outdoor you know amusement type of activity. But then, then all of a sudden, even something as simple as as marketing your product to a different country where English isn't the native language, right? And and some of these retailers have a global presence, and you know, going into the next iteration of of what you're talking about in terms of the growth of the business, going from 600 wholesale accounts to 6,000 or, or whatever your strategic objectives are. It's, it's interesting kind of evaluating what that process is like. So I have to ask you, how do you handle some quality control whenever it comes to, you know, some of your manufacturers maybe used a, a chemical in it that you didn't anticipate or, or you learned that uh, a contaminant in one country isn't allowed, but that's how your, you know, that's how your product is made. Have you ran into that challenge or do you anticipate something like that happening? So, so early on, I definitely did. And, I, and I'm glad you brought it up because that was something that I learned through mistakes and through a loss of a good amount of money, thousands of dollars. 
is I didn't have a quality control element in place where they're being manufactured. And now that I, I do, it's like any, anytime you get burned, you just said, okay, I'm not going to let that happen to me again. And so uh, when I had a round of rollers made, they weren't to the level of quality that I wanted them to be at. And so I have a independent company that will go to the manufacturer. They will randomly pull inventory. And if there's something wrong with it, then they will continue to pull. I have an arrangement where if they pull a specific percentage of products and they haven't met the, the quality control specs that I gave, that they have to go and pull all the products at their cost. And they have to either redo them or fix them. And so, it, it, you know, what I tell the manufacturer is, it's best for you just not to try and cut corners and, and do that. And so once I put that in place, that resolved all quality control issues at this time, you know, knock, knock on wood. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, My uh, goodness. that's, that's, that's something to have put in place. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that language going into your, to your point about the language that you talked about for the manufacturers is in their best interest. It's actually in their best interest to, to yep. not cut corners. Right. And yep. it's also in your best interest, which Again, that's a business practice that you would think rather than it being assumed on the front end, you'd have to go through the pain of, of, the, uh, of the, the loss without having that quality control standard in place. That's a, I mean, that's a valuable lesson to learn. For those of you who are, who are listening, essentially what Matt's done here, and for those of you who are listening for the first time, uh, we, we find that a lot of folks like this type of format. They like hearing about the struggles and the pain. Go ahead and subscribe. Matt's talked about rollers as a, uh, uh, as a product. If you're walking through some of these retailers, take a peek at it. Outdoor games are a lot of fun. And, and Matt's talking about how you can kind of come together and, and, uh, and play and enjoy some of these backyard type games. Uh, give rollers a shot. And so essentially subscribe to Knucklehead as a, as a podcast, but then also go and, and support them. And, and Matt, I'm going to ask you, what is the best way for folks to, to support you? And, and if they're interested in purchasing your product or finding out resources, what's the best way for somebody to do that? Yeah, the easiest way at least to learn more about rollers is to just go to our website, which is rollers.com, but rollers is spelled with an O-R-S. So it's R-O-L-L-O-R-S. And you'll you'll get it. It'll come when you see the logo. It's a registered trademark. It'll make sense, the game pieces and, and the name. But you could you can also uh, put it in a search engine, Google, you'll see it on Amazon, Wayfair, Walmart, uh, a bunch of places. Amazon always seems to be the easiest. Everyone has Prime. And uh, you can read through uh, the reviews on our website or on Amazon. There's uh, like uh, 100 or 200 on there of uh, what people have uh, given feedback. And Rollers is just, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good way for people to just get outdoors for one, just socialize and just hang out. I mean, sometimes I believe in our interconnected world of smartphones and the internet and TV it's sometimes just to you just get up and get outside and, and just hang out. And this, the game of rollers is just a way to enable that and to hang out and socialize. And it's light, leisure, competition. It, and it's just, it's really fun. It's just a unique, unique game. Well, I like how you, you, you gave that disclaimer there. A human <laughs> connection. A human yeah, connection yeah. with a little bit of light, light competition. This coming from a veteran entrepreneur named Matt Butler. I like that. Light competition. <laughs> and you can throw in whatever type of uh, creative adjective you want on top of that too. We got a, a variety of listeners out there. Some, some of them like to mix it up. So Matt told you, 
it's light competition, not extreme. So I like that. Uh, with that being said, Matt, I got to ask you. So if that's the best place for folks to, to get in touch with you, we appreciate you, you know, sharing with, with us kind of what the process has been like for you to, to grow. Can you talk about just, just real quickly and we'll wrap with this. What sure. was one of your biggest learning lessons going from, you know, uh, you're at 600 wholesale accounts now. Yep. What was one of your biggest learning lessons whenever you first launched the product? What was, what was that one of the biggest things that you didn't anticipate that you were going to go through whenever you, you first launched your product? No, it's a, good, it's a good question. And I'll have to share with you after the show some, some pictures because I started manufacturing rollers in my garage. And so this is, I would come home from, I was in the Air Force, I was in for 20 years. And I would come home after work, I would go into the garage and I would start lacquering these game pieces. And again, once you see what they look like, you'll go, okay, that's, that's really tedious. And uh, I was located in Florida and it's a little humid in Florida. And so it, the lacquer didn't uh, evenly dry. And so my own quality control, I was learning through this. I would package them up. I had them all laid out on kitchen tables and throughout the kitchen. And we would box them up and make sure that all the game pieces were properly in the, in the boxes because there's different numbers on the, on the game pieces here. And so you had to make sure you had the right colors and the right numbers. And then I started selling more than what I could manufacture at, at that point. And um, then we had to, I had to transition to out of the garage into more of a warehouse. And then we've transitioned and graduated from that warehouse to a full fulfillment center where I actually have an account manager that, that helps me out with uh, getting product to where it needs to be. But to, to answer your question, one of the things I look back at is I got a little bit of publicity locally in Florida. I was stationed at uh, Hurlburt Field, which is also by Edwin Air Force Base. Uh, there's a special forces group by here as well. And I had a small retailer contacted me and said, Matt, what's your wholesale? Do you sell wholesale and what's your pricing? And to be honest, I had no idea what she was really talking about with pricing. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really think that that far out. I, I had no idea. So uh, that person I still stay in touch with today kind of mentored me, well, did mentor me on how all of that works. You know, what are the margins that a retailer is looking for? Which to give you an idea is, is 50%. If anyone's asking, that's, that's kind of where things are. And so it, it really depends on what retailers you're looking for. And margins are all over because it's different for software versus luxury goods and purses to clothing, to sporting goods. But that was a huge learning curve. And then the next thing that completely threw me a curveball was I needed to get packaging that looked enticing. So when you walk down the aisles of a retailer that it popped out and you saw, well, what is this product? And that was, that was another learning curve. I didn't know what a UPC code was, how to get one, all sorts of different things. So that really, that was a, you know, exponential learning curve around that time when I started getting into retail, there was a lot to be learned. I'm sure when you say a lot to be learned, that's putting it lightly. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate that. That's a, uh, that's a good learning lesson, not just for, for folks that are getting started, but also folks that are, that are growing in, into, you know, mature businesses and setting up all these contracts with, with wholesalers. And, and even just to uh, his point about having an account manager that he can have weekly reports to some of these mistakes actually led to, I'm sure, um, where you can actually look at a report and understand that what that means in terms of what those numbers mean or um, from a quality control standpoint, what, 
what are your dollars spent? Uh, what, what's the ROI on the dollars spent from a marketing and advertising standpoint? It all comes from the mistakes that you make in order oh, to, in order to yeah. extract the lessons necessary. You know what I mean? You're exactly right. I mean, and you know, working with retailers, the bigger the retailer you work with, the more distribution outlets, the more of a beast it is that you have to jump through some of the hoops that they want you to, to jump through. I mean, I, I'm just thinking about four months ago, I thought I would forego listening to uh, one of the videos on how to ship in the format they needed the product shipped to them, uh, the shipping label. And just because I didn't do a drop-down menu and select a specific item on there, I got chargebacks of about $250 or $60. So that I just got burned off of that just because a little bit of laziness on my part where I didn't watch it or thought I knew what I was doing and, and didn't. I mean, I'd sure rather have had that $260 in my pocket right now. But again, just it's a small tactical knucklehead thing. And so you've got to read you know, the instructions and you've got to do everything step by step. You know, sometimes, at least me, I, I'm the type of guy that opens up a, a box and dumps everything on the floor and just starts assembling it. And sometimes I don't look at the instructions. And then what do you do? You end up having like, an extra screw here or an extra, you know, bolt here. And, you know, that's, that's one of those knucklehead things. I just, you got to take it step by step. No, yeah, it's a, well, I just, I love that. Sometimes done is better than perfect. Right. And some, sometimes, well, there's a reason for these steps. So follow the steps and then you'll figure out exactly uh, how that's supposed to work. So don't try to play horseshoe with your, with your rollers products, I guess is the, is the disclaimer there. So, uh, Matt, we appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you telling people how to get in touch with you. You can find them on social media. You can find them on his website again for all those knuckle draggers like myself out there. So rollers is spelled R O L L O R S. So Matt knows he's worked with some Marines in the past. So he knows he understands the, the connection there between the knuckle draggers. So anyway, with that being said, Matt, we appreciate you. Anything else that you want to leave these folks with? Yeah, if anyone wants to connect with me, feel free to just reach out. I'll, I'll get a hold of you when I can. If I don't, it might not be instantaneously, but I'll get back to you in the next couple of days. I could be at a trade show. Uh, I know Steve and I, we, we missed each other. I was at a trade show in Dallas, and I was basically on my feet for about three or four days straight. And so I just flew in and flew out. But get a hold of me. And if specifically, if you sell a product or even a service and you want to connect, you want to collaborate in any way, you know, or if you have any questions about retail, get a hold of me. I'd love to love to hear from you. There you go. Well, appreciate you, Matt. Appreciate your uh, your honesty, your transparency, and then that call to action there, folks. So, if you like listening to Knucklehead Podcast, like we said before, subscribe. Subscribe to the show. We come out with a new episode every Tuesday. And if you're interested in an outdoor gift, like Matt had said, uh, you can find rollers at, at any of the retailers that you frequent, or you can go Google R O L L O R S and figure out a way to get that product shipped directly to you. So. Matt, we appreciate you. Uh, remember, don't be a bait about the process. Go out and get you some wins. Uh, you'll figure it out. There's not one of us who's got this all figured out. Just get moving and uh, take one step more in front of you and you'll get closer to your goal. Matt, we appreciate you. And with that, we are wrap. Thanks so much, Stephen. 